0: Devastating in the desert. New territory for Carlos Alcaraz. He's into his first Indian Wells final. Third Masters final of his career. And tomorrow he'll be looking for a third master's title. And of course, still on track for that world number one ranking. One win away now from returning to the top spot in the ATP rankings. Third final of his season, and he's only played three events. Give us a smile, says Coach. <laughs> Job done for Carlitos. Just under two hours 7 6 6 3. Yannick Sinner as well. He's kind of disappointed with the loss today, but it's
1: good to this week. Hey everyone. Welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. This is a live podcast. Carlos Alcaraz has just completed his victory over Sinner as you just heard. It is 5 55 p.m. on the West Coast, and we'll hear from Alcaraz in just a moment. I'm going to start going through my topic lists until he begins talking to the courtside interviewer in just a moment. So again, thanks for finding the pod. Thank you for listening. I always appreciate that. And what a pleasant situation to be recording a podcast Well, it is daylight out still. That has not happened in a while. In the whole history of the podcast, really, I haven't spent that much time doing a daytime podcast. It's before 6 p.m. That is a good effort indeed. Today on the pod, it's going to be a semi-final recap show. I'm going to cover the men's semis from today, as well as touch on the women's, semis that happened yesterday and we're going to go in backwards order so that means topic one is the match that just finished number one seed carlos alcaraz taken on number 11 seed yannick sinner as the broadcast just said there alcaraz gets the win 7663 first of all the match the match was not very exciting to me in terms of quality of play, it was not very good. The last game of the match probably was the best game. Darren Cahill was telling Sinner. Um, Darren Cahill is Sinner's coach and an ESPN commentator. Cahill told him, and it was picked up by the courtside mics first point, first point, first point, which was a the good thing to be saying. And Alcaraz was serving for the match there, but if he had failed, it could have continued. We could still be out there right now. It could have become another three-hour epic. But Alcaraz bombed uh, um, uh, an ace or a serve serve winner and eventually went on to hold. But there were some high-quality points in that game. That was probably the best game of the match was the 5-3 game. Um, It was just, they played slow as molasses. On one of the points I tracked, center took 40 seconds in between points, 4-0. And on the next point, he took 30 seconds, 3-0. That is a long, long time. And honestly, I kind of got bored watching this match, which is disappointing because of all the hype that there was leading up, justifiably, sh- justifiably so, going back to the five-setter at Wimbledon that Center won, and the epic five-hour, fifteen-minute five-setter that Alcaraz won at the U.S. Open last year that finished at 2:50 a.m. local time. Today's match could not go five sets, obviously, but. Even so, it underwhelmed, um, and the poor shot quality, and the poor... Um, is, he sp- is he speaking?
0: It's going to be fun, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a great final. And looking at the matches that we saw today... That's the beauty of tennis. Tomorrow is not a day. You like the defense over the attack. Is that the...
1: Okay, not yet. He's doing the balls into the crowd now. He has not spoken to the Encore interviewer yet. Um, quality of the match was not good. In terms of TikTok of the match Alcaraz was up 4 2. He looked to be in control. He gave it back. He almost went from 4 2 to 5 7. He saved a set point late in that first set, but in the tiebreak. What was the score of the tiebreak? I do know that center won more points in the first set, but Alcaraz was the winner of the set. Looks like it was 7-4. That sound about right? If I read my notes right, that's what I have. And um, typically in these situations where you have these long, grindy sets between top players late in tournaments. Thinking back to some Federer Nadal, uh, Djokovic Nadal matches over the years, the winner of that set typically goes on to win the match, and that's what happened here. Alcaraz turned his momentum from winning that grinding first set into getting the early break in the second set, and then he just kind of rode it out. And now, here he comes with with the interview. Carlos, I have a feeling you and Yannick are going to play a lot of matches uh,
0: over the next five or ten years. Um, what does it mean to come through this one and reach a first Indian Wells final? Yeah, well, I'm I'm really happy with uh, uh, with the performance today. I'm really happy to get through this uh, uh, great, uh, you know, great match. Uh, Yannick obviously is a, a really, really great, great player with a great shot. You know, I. I, uh, I, I would say we, we are gonna have a, a great rivalry uh, over the years, and uh, yeah, we we are uh, playing in the best time in the world, in the best tournament in the world. So I think this this it is not over here. It's, we are gonna play uh, a lot of matches, you know, great matches. And uh, all I can say is uh, I'm I'm really happy with uh, my first final here in well here in the what did you tell yourself after the first set, sitting down in your chair, because your level did seem to go up a bit, you seem to cut out the errors a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, uh, playing against, uh, against Janik is never easy. I, yeah, I had to overcome a bit, you know, uh, With uh, let's say with problems, you know, I saved one uh, set ball down and uh, yeah. I, I knew that I had to increase my, my level, you know, to, to pass over the Janik. Uh, it was it was really close uh, first set, eh, but yeah, in the second set I let's say I pull out all the nerves uh, and uh, play more relaxed, you know, and I think it, it was it, it was the key of everything. And what about tomorrow? Just finally, because Daniel has won 19 matches in a row. It's incredible, really. Um, how do you prepare? How do you prepare mentally for that challenge? Well, I am an ambitious guy. Uh, I really want to play against the best tennis player in the world, you know. Uh, I always say that if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best, you know, and I would say uh, Daniel is the best player uh, right now, you know. Amazing uh, winning strike and uh, yeah, for me, it's going to be a really difficult challenge, but uh, I'm uh, really uh, prepared uh, about that and uh, I will I will show my my best tomorrow in the final. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you.
1: And that was Carlos Alcaraz, ladies and gentlemen. Again, the match it was fine. That's all I got on the match. Taking a moment to talk about the stories for each player. Where I'm at was center. Just to be blunt, center is boring. He has no personality, and it seems to be, without going into a deep stat dive, because I already have seven or eight tabs open on my computer, without going into a deep dive, it feels like Sinner gets to these positions, and in these big matches, all you do is see him lose. I know that's not technically true. I know he's got some big wins, like he beat Alcaraz at Wimbledon there, Um, but Even in that tournament, his tournament ended blowing the two-set lead to Djokovic. That was a big match where he didn't come out on on top. U.S. Open, he lost a big match where he didn't come out on top. Um, Today, it's a big match. And in the leverage pressure points, he didn't win too many of them. And again, just to be blunt, Yannick Sinner gives off strong Thomas Burdich vibes. And that's kind of a pejorative, that's a negative connotation. I wouldn't necessarily want to be compared to Thomas Burditch in terms of personality, and sometimes results, it's a double-edged sword. Thomas Burditch was a guy who had no personality, who never seemed to win the big match, and was perpetually ranked between 5 and 8 in the world. Yannick Sinner is a guy, no personality, Never seems to win the big match, and is ranked in that range. I think he's a little bit lower than that. You know, five to ten, five to twelve. And Sinner is still very young. He has the next ten years to figure this out. But at the moment, he is, and he even looks like him. Sinner even looks like Burdich. He's got the. He's tall. He's got the legs. And the the. Sinner is on the Burditch trajectory. That's a trajectory that has many, many millions of dollars in it and many years at the top of your sport. However, it is also not the very top. And when you're that close and you can never seem to break through to the next layer, that was definitely uh, an onus on Thomas Burditch. And we'll see if it's an onus on Sinner. For Alcaraz the top seed into the final boy he looks good doesn't he i I mean he's certainly not injured so that storylines out so his team was telling the truth before the tournament started we can now officially put that in the history books he's the top seed he's into the final here he's one win away from the number one ranking again and yes, this is a little bit of recency bias, but Djokovic is not the best player in the world right now because he can't play. I, You know, forget the rankings. Yes, Djokovic is number one in the official ranking, but right now he's not the best player in the world. Right now, the two best players in the world are going to play tomorrow, which is going to be very cool. <clears throat> and it feels like Whoever wins that is going to be the best player in the world at the moment. Before the match, I'd have to say that Alcaraz is kind of the best player in the world. I know Medi won, you know, he's won 75 million matches in a row, but Al- Alcaraz has got the personality, he's got the shots, he's just got that vibe, he's got the winning vibe. And I know that's a really easy thing for a hot taker, that has never played, the professional game, to say. But from my couch, he's got the vibes. Does young Carlos in a different way than Medi does? Um, Carlos has got sort of the aggro vibe, and Medi has got the nerd genius that always finds a way to win, sort of vibe. So it's an interesting contrast of personalities and contrast of game shots um, as well. But yeah, Carlos is into another Masters final. I didn't pull this up, but let's go ahead and pull it up now. I want to see how many different Masters 1000s that Alcaraz has made the finals of. It's got to be at least three, three or four maybe. Let's take a look, because I know he made the... The Madrid final, yeah. So he's um, he's made the Miami final and won it. He's made the Madrid final and won it. And now he's in the Indian Wells final. So he's 2-0 in Masters finals. And Mehdi is 4-2. So that's going to be an interesting matchup tomorrow. But Alcaraz is definitely on the rise. Topic two, earlier in the day, Daniil Medvedev took on Francis Tiafo. The four semis overall, I thought, were fairly underwhelming. None of them went to three sets across the men's and the women's. I would say of the four semifinals, the medvedev Tiafo semifinal was the best one. So let's do a quick play-by-play of that. Um, Medi had many more break points, ch- break point chances during the match, but he got sort of in his sort of negative headspace when he had those opportunities and was unable to capitalize. The first set went with serve, and Tiafo got up 5 4 with the serve. Medi was going to serve at 4 5, and from that point, he went on a run from 4 5 to 7 5 2 love so he won 5 consecutive games in a row there and he was stopped short of this but he was one game away from the double bagel in it was close early in the high leverage moments late in the first set Tiafo's game broke down as it has many times in his career until recently Francis Tiafo was under 500 match-winning percentage for his career, and now he's hovering barely above the 500 mark, approximately. I don't have that in front of me, but that certainly sounds accurate. And he didn't have big negative body language, did Tiafo, but you could tell it a little bit. Sometimes he was frustrated. Towards the end of the match, he was, you know, he threw his racket once. Not like a big deal, but he just dropped it to the ground, and on form, Medvedev completely dominated this match. And that's reflected in the final points total of 84 to 66. That is a very clean kill. That's reflected in the break point totals. Medvedev earned 11 chances to break, and Tiafo earned just 3. And it's reflected in the score at one point, 7-5, 2-love, and... 7553 on form medvedev was statistically superior unfortunately he completely mismanaged the end of the match as he has done before in he served for the match twice and converted neither game the only two times that medvedev was broken were the two times he was serving for the match at 5-4 and at 6-5 And there were some double faults in there, I believe. I don't have those written, but I seem to remember that. And in these situations, when Medvedev was in a winning position, when the match was in a high-leverage situation in a serve-it-out game, he got away from the tactics and the mindset that got him there. When he lost a point or two in these late games in the second, he played at hyper speed. And he lost his mind. And he's done that before. Remember when he was serving for the U.S. Open against Djokovic? He got into the weird situation with the incessantly booing crowd, and they totally got in his head. And the same thing happened today, by the way. The crowd totally got in his head. The crowd was definitely rooting for Chiafo late in the second set there, and that probably threw Medi off as well. Again, Mehdi is a cerebral genius, and his brain was probably um, majorly occupied with the situation that the crowd was against him. And that is part of the reason why he, uh, in that situation he had a mind that wanders. But fortunately for him, he got off to a big lead in the tiebreak, maybe 5-1, something like that, and he... He held on. Even in that situation, you know, I think it got, you know, Tiafo got a couple points closer, three or four points closer, and Medvedev needed eight match points to get the job done. That's how much he mismanaged it at the end. Not one match point, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but it took him eight match points, and you know, By the time I was saying 5 and 6 there, it was in your head, and you're just a listener. You're not him. So imagine how completely off-kilter he was in that moment. His primary thought was probably, I'm blowing all these match points. I'm blowing all these match points. This is really annoying. I can't believe it. Oh my god, what if I lose? At time and again, as we've discovered, if the fans are thinking about a certain thing, the players are definitely... Thinking about it. So that's my match read on that. Um, larger implications. Francis Tiafo and Medvedev and Alcaraz, they're probably the top three personalities in the game right now. Tiafo, I'm just going to be blunt here. Tiafo brings the black culture to tennis. If you listen in his press conferences, that colors the way that he talks. That gives a flavor to the way that he talks. Um, You know, not everything, but definitely some things. And I think, again, just being blunt, I think that's a good thing for tennis. It's a fresh perspective, especially in the men's game, Um, especially in the American men's game. And he seems like a very personable guy. He seems like a happy guy. He seems like a hard worker. Um, he's a guy that's definitely on the way up. His early career, he did not realize his potential as much as he could have. But over the last year, he is definitely doing that a lot more. And I think it's a positive story. I think it's a success story. Um, and I think he's different in the cast of characters. And I think he has a good game style. And he's up to 11 in the race. And I think Francis Tiafo being uh, top 15 in the, in the world is very good for the game. So, hope he continues to have good results as the year continues. For Medvedev, now he's made finals at five different Masters 1000 events. Indian Wells. Canada. Cincinnati. Shanghai and Paris. The last four there are all in August and October. You know, and Paris starts in October and finishes in November. This is the first time he's made the final of a Masters 1000 event between the months of December, if you want to go back to December, between December and July. And excluding the Australian Open. This is the first final of a big tournament that he's made between the months of December and July. And if you include the Australian Open, he has never won a big tournament, meaning a Grand Slam or a Masters 1000, between the months of December and July. Medvedev is a second-half player, traditionally, meaning he wins most of his stuff in August to the end of the season. So him having success in Tennis March Madness is, is a new thing. This week was his first semifinal or better in either March tournament, and now he's in the finals of one of them. He has a 4-2 and two record in Masters Finals. I believe he and Zverev are among the better Masters 1000 Trophy Hall uh, players at the moment. Again, don't have that in front of me. We'll save that for tomorrow. But he has done well on the Masters 1000 circuit over the last three or four years. Not last year, obviously. Previewing tomorrow, I don't really want to spend too much time doing that. It's going to be Medvedev versus Alcaraz, but I'm, I'm happy to hype that. It's going to be the matchup of the two best players in the world on form. And... That's exciting in its own right. Two, it's the first big final since the end of January, which is exciting. And three, they haven't played in a big match since they became top-of-the-line players. Let's... do they have that here already? No, they don't. So, let's do it live on the air. I think I saw on Twitter that they've played once, and I want to see when that was. Because I don't think it's been... Recently, Not at all. Yeah, they've played once, and Medvedev won that, and that was Wimbledon 2021. Medvedev won 6-4, 6-1, 6-2. Alcaraz would have been maybe just turned 18 at that point. May 5th, 2003. So yeah, he would have been 18 and uh, a couple months. 18 and two months. And now he's almost twenty. It's a long time when you're that young in the game. And in 2021, Medvedev hadn't won the Grand Slam yet. At that point, he had won some Masters and such. But you know, maybe Medvedev was established at that point, but Alcaraz most certainly was not. So this is going to be their first career meeting with both of them at the not only at the peak of their powers, but two. They're facing off in a situation where the winner is essentially going to be thought of as the best player in the world, at least in the short term. So, that's going to be very, very enjoyable. And those were the men's semis. They were good. They weren't great. The Medvedev match was certainly better. Um, The women's semis, topic three... Sviantek versus Rabakina. The match was atrocious. Rabakina was up 6-2, 5-love, and gave up a couple games at the very, very end to make it the slightly more respectable 6-2, 6-2. But Sviantek was down 2-6, love, 5, and she was coming in in this dominating position. And two things about that. One... Rabakina also beat her um, earlier this year, so that's two losses to Rabakina. You can't be the best in the world if you can't beat a player. And, you know, introducing that kind of sentiment to Sviantek when she's been dominating is radical. And two, in press, she blamed an injury, and I don't care when she did it. I don't care if she wrote an essay about how good Robocca was before or after. If at any point you complain about injuries, that's what journalists and that's what podcasters like myself and people on Twitter are going to latch on to. So that was a PR blunder. She's got some things to work out. She Her game plan was completely terrible. She didn't change anything. She just kept hitting completely terrible shots did Sviantek, and Rabakina was very good. She's very good. I was wrong about Elena Rabakina. However, I did say she would be a one-hit Grand Slam wonder, and at the moment, that is still true. But she has become a steady player on the tour, which is more than I expected. But my prediction that she is a one-slam winner, that remains true and will for at least the next couple months. But yeah, that match was atrocious, and Sviantek has got to go to the drawing board a little bit. In the first semi, Arena Sabalenka destroyed uh, um, Maria Zachary, I think it was 2-3, and three, was it? And... Again, it was um, um, Sabalenka was playing incredibly well. With Sviantek's exit, I might say that Sabalenka has the best form of, of anybody in the world right now. Even though she's number two in the rankings, she was super confident, and she is a, a textbook example of a player knowing that they're on a roll and enjoying that they're on a roll and being completely. Confident and firing on all cylinders and completely unstoppable, at you know at the peak of their powers here when they're on a roll. So it's it'll be Sabalenka versus Rabakana in the finals on Sunday, and that's going to be a good time. And that's all I have to say about that. Again, I would label the semifinals as yeah we're fine. At best, they were fine. At worst, they were mm, shaky. But we'll go with fine. They were fine. It was okay. It wasn't great. And, hey, we're um, coming to the end of our topic list. So let's go to the schedule for tomorrow. I think 30 minutes will be a good time for this pod. So let's start to wrap it up. I'm not going to play any press conferences today. It's going to be 30 minutes of just me, minus the interview that we had at the beginning there, because the BNP Paribas Open YouTube channel is slow as molasses in posting the press conferences. For the night matches, they don't even post the press conferences until the next day, which is completely ridiculous. And Medvedev finished, um, you know, two or three hours ago. When did that finish? Let me look. That match finished at 3.34, so it's coming up on three hours later, and they haven't posted his press conference yet. If they wanted to, they could have done it already, because he's been done for a while, I'm assuming. Anyway, um, here is the order of play for Sunday, March 19th, 2023. These are the singles finals for the BNP Paribas Open, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Number two seed Al- um number two seed Arena Sabalanka takes on number ten seed Elena Rybakina. And four p.m. Pacific time, number one seed Carlos Alcaraz takes on number five seed Daniil Medvedev. The cable coverage will be on Tennis Channel. You can also watch Tennis Channel coverage using Tennis Channel Plus, the website or the app, or the, um, the ATP match will be on tennistv.com and the Tennis TV app. That's going to do it for today. Thank you for listening to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Always appreciate the download. And if you have listened all the way through to the end, thank you. And the people at Argonne Productions, thank you as well.